0: If you're looking forward to the three day weekend and you appreciate paid sick leave, vacation days, social security, minimum wage, overtime pay, a 40 hour work week, or simple things like child labor laws, you should thank a union. This is what a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the executive director of Progress Iowa,
1: and I'm Lauren McHughmeal, the digital director for Progress Iowa.
0: This week on What a Week, we're diving into Labor Union Appreciation. Um, there is already a Labor Day that is recognized across the country, but as we were digging in um, and doing some research about this, um, mostly that means Googling. Um, we we were we were unable to find a Labor Union Appreciation Month, and that was pretty striking to us, and so. So we, along with more than 70 now elected officials, organizations, businesses, um, and labor unions, have made the push for making recognizing September as labor union appreciation month and and so we're going to talk today about all the great the, the great work that labor unions do on behalf of working families and all of us and really digging into some of the history about about why they exist in the first place and 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 some of that uh, some of the efforts to to fight for the things that that we all really care about so I know Lauren has been doing a lot of, uh, research on this and something that I'm looking forward to throughout the entire month of September is as our digital director, she puts together, uh, she's going to be putting together a daily post and a daily, uh, uh, um, uh, a bit of information about labor unions. Um, and so I know she, you're, Lauren, you're going to want to talk about some of that history that you've been digging into.
1: Yeah. So I'm not a labor historian. I just play one on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> But I have done, like Matt said, a lot of research and Googling, and I've gotten to know a lot of the events that uh, what I try to do when I do our uh, posts about uh, historical things is to try and bring in lesser known historical events that people maybe aren't as familiar with, like how we got the eight hour workday, which is. That it was a, uh, in the words of an article in Teen Vogue, winning the eight hour workday was less of a pitched battle than a fitful century long slog. And starting in about 1884, it picked up when the federal... Oh, excuse me. Federation of Organized Trades and Labor Unions passed a resolution that eight hours shall constitute a legal day's labor from and after May 1st, 1886, which would then be enforced by a general strike. And it wasn't until 1938 with the passage of the Fair Labor Standards Act, uh, which was a federal law stating that we would have a five hour, uh, five hour, wish it was five hour. That'd be a fun thing. uh, Five day work week, established a minimum wage, limited the work week to 44 hours, which would then be amended in 1940 to 40 hours, more than a century after the idea was first floated. And. One of the rallying cries for the eight-hour workday was popularized by uh, Lucy Parsons and her husband, Albert Parsons. Lucy was one of the first well-known women of color in the labor movement in 1886 when they led... Uh, A march of tens of thousands of workers and use the slogan eight hours for work, eight hours for rest and eight hours for what we will. And that has really informed the entire movement of pushing for the eight hour work day and a lot of other making sure that workers time is appreciated and respected and that we're not, you know, working 100 hour weeks for scraps basically
0: yeah and i think some of that is really i mean the 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 fact about it being a long slog is i think is really important to remember because we didn't all just wake up one day getting labor day monday off so we could you know go to the beach and drink white claws like it's it's like that didn't just happen all of a sudden, like it happened through political fights and organizing over a long period of time. And I've heard politicians talk about this too that the 40 hour work week didn't just what wasn't wasn't something that was based on a lot of like research about the imp- the necessary amount of time at work it was a political fight and right. so so it got chipped away from 44 like you said to 40 other countries have even shorter work weeks um, some have longer i mean uh, and it just depends on where you're at where where you're at in the uh, in the fight for workers rights and so so i think a couple of lessons that i take from that is that anything that we see that we need to, uh, you know, that, that that we're pushing for, whether it's workers' rights, whether it's equality on equality for LGBTQ families or, um, or minority rights or any, any issue that we're fighting for, it just, it, it can take a lot of, it can take a long time. And, and so, um, we, we should keep at it and, and persist. Um, and the other is that, Um, is that these rules and laws are not written in stone. They're written by our politicians, and so we need to push them to to continue to do better.
1: Absolutely. Actually, the first Labor Day that you brought it up was actually created by a general strike, and no government or company recognized the first Monday in September as a day you could take off work. So the issue was... Temporarily solved by uh, having a one-day strike uh, in New York City, and then all the striking workers were expected to march in a parade and then go have a giant picnic afterwards. Which seems pretty close to what we do now, but actually, uh, it it didn't become a national holiday until 1894, and the first Labor Day was in 1882. Uh, So during President Grover Cleveland's tenure, he signed that into law and. The, the idea of a day specifically for labor is pretty easy for politicians to support because it, apparently, unless you're, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking of the MLK thing with, with Chuck Grassley and deciding that yeah, it wasn't worth it. Answered. Yeah, that it wasn't worth it to have a, a federal holiday for it, but it's easy to proclaim a holiday like Mother's Day, and it costs the legislators nothing, and they're allowed to then use that as a benefit to curry favor with the people that would benefit from this.
0: It's been so well established over time that Labor Day exists. So I think that's part of it too. There's this momentum behind it. And and I think what we need to appreciate is that is that that momentum didn't just come out of nowhere? You know, this has been established, like you said, over the last century plus, and so um, we these fights unfortunately never end, um, and and there will always be someone who's trying to uh, to take away to push back against workers' rights and to make it harder to organize. We saw some of that in Iowa, and or we continue to see that in Iowa, and I know we're going to talk about that in 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 a little bit, but. Um, but that is just such a, such an important lesson to take from all of this.
1: Yeah and speaking of how long the the labor, union uh, movement has been around, even if it wasn't necessarily called labor unions or if it was called trade organizations or if it was just even called like a bunch of girls in Lowell, Massachusetts who walked out of uh, the textile mill to protest the wage cuts or a bunch of uh, black women laundresses in 1881 during the Atlanta washerwoman strike when they fought for higher wages and respect for their work because they were kind of laundresses were kind of at the lowest end of domestic workers at the time and even now you see kind of domestic workers not being fu- fully afforded the respect and and wages and benefits that they really ought to be given but so that kind of uh, how we're still fighting these same fights over and over and I mean maybe we're not in the days of like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory where people are dying in giant fires because there are no fire escapes and jumping from windows and having almost 200 garment workers over oh, most of them young immigrant women who died from the fire or smoke inhalation or jumping from these high windows because they were on the eighth, ninth 10th floor of this building. And so that these kind of unfortunate, circumstances have spurred people to action. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory actually led to the, the growth of the International Ladies' Garment Workers' Union, which fought for better working conditions for those kind of sweatshop workers, um, which thankfully we don't, we're not in those kinds of dire straits right now, but I mean, that the fight still continues for safe workplaces and safety measures that uh, people didn't think about. Yeah,
0: and and it may not be as um, the image isn't as stark as people, you know, dying in those cases that you were talking about. But but I, when it comes to workers' rights and and the support and and the need for labor unions, I mean, our workers' lives, I think, are are really still on the line. I mean, they're on the they are the ones that it's really it's the only. Established institution in this country that is per, that, that their sole purpose is to negotiate and work on behalf of of workers. I mean that's it. Um, and 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 so they're, when um, when they're sitting down negotiating for better health care, especially um, and pushing for that, not just at, in the workplace, but but advocating for that in. Congress and legislatures. I mean, we have, I mean, especially when we're faced with a, um, with, with, in in Iowa, um, a Republican governor and House and Senate that is doing everything they can to attack our health care and we have a president who is literally involved in a lawsuit that would take away the Affordable Care Act all those kinds of protections that labor unions are working to fight for are critically important and and are saving people's lives shifting more to uh, Iowa specific uh, policy we've had a rough couple of years fighting uh, fighting for workers rights in the state House uh, one of the and it has also given us the opportunity at Progress Iowa, and this is some of our proudest work, is to work side-by-side side with our with our friends and partners in labor. Um, as we have seen Governor Branstad, then Branstead, now Governor Reynolds, and the Republican-controlled House and Senate strip away workers' rights, um, they – took the they took complete control of state government in the 2016 election and right away um, within weeks of coming back uh, to into session in 2017 pushed um, pushed for the removal of, of public sector collective bargaining rights under chapter 20 in the Iowa Code um, this is despite the fact that they didn't campaign on this one lick um i know that there were people out uh on 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 doors uh, knocking on doors during the 2016 campaign talking about the fact that if republicans took over the state house and and had the governor's uh, mansion that they would do this and they were met with a lot of skepticism they thought that this law and we'll get into the history of it in, in a minute but um this law had been um in place for so long that there was no
1: and signed by a Republican governor.
0: Exactly. So for all those reasons, people were skeptical that 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 this was that this could happen. But despite those warnings, uh, the uh, Republicans did move very quickly to to take away the rights of workers, um, of public sector workers, um, and and move and moved right away to do that. They they passed this in a matter of weeks, um, and 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 stripped away. Um, uh, a lot of those rights. So uh, to go into some of the background of why that law existed in the first place, it, it really strikes a chord with what Lauren was talking about with the history of this, what you were talking about, um, and with the history of, of just the labor movement. And in the 60s and into the 70s, early 70s, you saw some public sector strikes in Iowa. And these are the, the core functions of our government, where you need people to pick up your trash, you need you, 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 we can't afford to have schools not open because of strikes. Um, and so what happened after that was a negotiation and, and a discussion about, well, what's the proper balance between our government's ability to function and the rights of these workers? And so... The short, simple version of this is that Chapter 20 was put into law in 1974 because – and how it happened was workers gave up the right to strike. So now it is it, – they can't – the public sector workers gave up the right to strike. So they, they cannot strike under Iowa law. But – In exchange for that, they got mandatory bargaining rights. So if you're the state of Iowa or if you're a local uh, city, county, et cetera, local local government, you have to bargain with your – or you used to have to bargain with your – Public workers, and that included things such as wages, workplace safety, um, an entire list of of uh, of, of mandatory uh, uh, bargaining, vacation time, health insurance, um, safety. Yeah, all those kind of f- f- basic things that everyone needs to not only do their job but to be safe at, at work, and um, and so. That was the nego- that was the bargain that was made that that workers that public workers couldn't go on strike so those core functions of government would remain intact but they had the right to uh, to, to guarantee that they would get to negotiate not the outcome just the just the negotiation, um, and so when they had this taken away when when this was taken away there was such an outcry and such a response from not just from labor unions but from it for, but from everyday people, but from businesses, but from, um, from people all over the state there was just a, a really strong reaction And Lauren, you were there working in the in the state house at the time for a state representative and I I mean we're gonna play some of the audio from, uh, from, from some of the, the demonstrations that took over the Capitol for those few weeks. <laughs> Curious what your take was from that front row seat.
1: Uh, I had a second row seat actually. Right. Uh, I sat in. I was a clerk for Representative Ross Smith out of Waterloo, and sat right behind actually now Congresswoman Finkenauer. And in the in that time period, I think I think going in, a lot of us knew that. Oh, they have the trifecta now. They've been trying to push these. Ridiculous policies for several years now. I had worked as an intern the year before in the House Democratic caucus and gotten to see all of the kind of nutty ideas that people were, that the Republican controlled House was putting through that would get stopped at the Democratic Senate door. And without that check now, a lot of these more outrageous. Extreme conservative bills kept just getting shuffled through and rubber stamped by the governor. Uh, a lot of the one of the um, the Planned Parenthood funding bills, the uh, collective bargaining, the voter ID, just a lot of these ideas that Republicans had really been gunning for that now that they had kind of this unfettered access to, hey, we can do whatever we want right now, Uh, let's get it all done before something happens that we don't have this anymore. So they passed gun bills, they passed all sorts of stuff that would not, that they didn't have any option to pass previously, and I mean, I think the power kind of went to their heads and they thought, well, you know, our, I mean, the, the presence of alec and the they they did a video conference with scott walker and didn't really pay attention to what their constituents were talking about whereas i worked for a democratic representative and we talked to so many people who were concerned about this and were like, are you, we need you to fight for us. We need you to make sure that we're doing everything that you can to push back on this. And I sat through most of debate. Occasionally we would get sent home because they would be like, we can't pay you right now. And, but, uh, it, it was just such a disheartening thing to sit through All of these, especially newly elected Republicans who could not give a reason why they were supporting this. I sat in between uh, Representative uh, Ross Smith and Representative Schuyler Wheeler, who was a newly elected Republican representative. And someone asked, I think it was Ross, asked Wheeler what he why he wanted to why he would vote for this, and Wheeler couldn't give him an answer, and just kind of did that, that sort of answer where you just spin around the question, and other, pe- other uh, elected officials grilled the other newly elected Republicans about why are you supporting this? What is, can you name one thing in the bill that is, that is gonna be a good thing for, for Iowans? And a lot of them just couldn't give an answer. And there's there's no good
0: reason to take away somebody's rights. Yeah. I mean, there's no. Well, I mean, those Republicans really seem to think so. (laughs) Well, I know. But I mean, like, there's no like answering that question is sort of the height of absurdity, because Mm -hmm. like there's no like what, what 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 is the point of taking away. Someone's am sure it was something rights. about
1: taxpayer expense because that's always what it is, yeah. uh, despite the fact that we seem to spend taxpayer money on a lot of other things that we really don't need, like yeah. uh, giving Apple tax breaks.
0: Right, and and despite the fact that they made the argument that it wasn't going to mean a pay cut for for public workers, yeah, but they talked about it being something to save taxpayers money. So that those two are obviously contradictory and and means that they're full of, you know what, so.
1: They also use this bill to kind of drive a wedge in between certain groups of labor, such as the public safety workers sort of, uh, I don't want, like, exception, the public safety workers exception, mm-hmm. that public safety workers, including fire workers and police officers, who uh, can still bargain for most, if not all, of the same things that they could before, but leaving... Janitors, teachers, nurses, oh, and corrections workers who... I mean, I'm not a corrections worker, but that seems like a real public safety type of occupation that would require maybe uh, a seat at the table about workplace safety, which we've run into things recently where corrections officers and people working at mental hospitals have run into problems where they can't bargain for workplace safety and it's really come back to harm them.
0: Yeah, and, and there was a real it, – it was – even though Republicans tried to drive that wedge, it was really – kind of inspiring to see that um, most labor stood side by side and didn't and all opposed these changes. Um, uh, and, um, And on the point of public safety, I mean, you now have public school teachers who are expected to protect their students from shootings and run active shoot and, and be, participate in active shooter drills and even have been floated the idea of arming teachers by some on the right. And yet they weren't, can obviously they were not considered, you know, public safety officers or, or, or however they categorize that.
1: Representative Mary Masher talked about that in her remarks during debate about uh, she is the representative that represents parts of Johnson County and um She was really concerned about the uh, recent uh, Iowa City, uh, University of Iowa shooting uh, and how teachers would be very adversely affected by their inability to bargain for these sort of basic workplace safety things. If If we're expecting teachers to be kind of a first line of defense in schools, that they should get to have the same bargaining rights as these as this public safety exception.
0: Yeah. And that public safety exception, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it was a political wedge. I mean, it wasn't, they didn't care about Republicans didn't care about giving public safety officers more, protections or, or, I mean, the, the, whole point is that every public worker should have all these, uh, all these rights, um, and every worker should, frankly. Um, and it was great to see not only representative Mary Masher, but all the the Democrats too, in the legislature standing up, um, and fighting for these, uh, fighting for labor unions and working families. Um, we had, there, there was a, 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 several just massive rallies outside and inside the state house um, and and one of the one of the most staunch advocates for labor unions and workers is state representative Bruce hunter who who spoke uh, who spoke to a large crowd one night in in in
1: 2017 to Republican leadership that is coming out and actually saying that they've talked to their constituents that this is a <laughs> <laughs> that they talk- no. no! They didn't talk to any of you! No. They didn't yes. talk to anybody! I'll tell you the people that they talked to. They talked to the Koch brothers. Yep. Yes. They talked to yes. and they talked to Scott Walker. Speaking of standing up, the Democrats in the House definitely took that literally and after the bill was passed and the galleries in the state house were just packed full of public workers who were calling shame on the republicans who voted for it and the there was kind of a a small movement at first of a couple people kind of standing up and you know pointing to the the uh, the people in the galleries and saying we're sorry we couldn't we couldn't get it through, we stand with you, and it kind of became this this bigger movement as people realized what was going on. Where these House Democrats got up and faced the galleries and raised their fist in in support of these people who had come to the Capitol to rally and talk to their representatives and say that we can, you cannot do this to us and. I think it's a really good show of support uh, from the House Democrats, and there's a great photo uh, of all of them, and I'm in it. So (laughs) I think it's a great photo. It was used in Abby Finkenauer's uh, congressional-run ads.
0: You're in a lot of her ads.
1: I'm in a lot of her ads.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I was... I was there for that vote. It was it was inspiring to see that, and uh, inspiring to see the. I know we've talked about it, but the truly thousands of people that came in from around the state that flooded the Capitol. Um, there was, I mean, it, it was uh, you could not walk through the the Capitol rotunda with. I mean, it, it was it was so packed. Um, people were not. We're just furious about this about this change, and I think that has echoed throughout the fights over the last couple of years, where these attacks have continued. Um, and uh, but but it all it, it started with that um, the election in 2016, the Republicans overreaching and really doing something that they didn't campaign on, and 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 which has s-
1: become a theme of theirs,
0: for sure. From those fights at the Capitol to our efforts today to recognize September as Labor Union Appreciation Month, we we really want people to to take the time to learn more about labor history, learn more about how we can fight for workers' rights, uh, all the information about how you can participate in. Uh, during the entire month of September is available at thankaunion.com. We encourage you to read that, to encourage your city and county to pass a proclamation recognizing September as Labor Union Appreciation Month, Uh, to follow us on Progress Iowa on on Twitter, on Facebook, where we're going to have...
1: And on Instagram.
0: And on Instagram. Thank you, Lauren. uh, Where we're going to have information up every single day about... Labor figure, uh, labor leaders in history, key events in labor history. Some of them we've talked about today. Some of them uh, we haven't had time to do that, but but you'll learn more about it online. So share all that information um, and participate in whatever way you can. I want to end by asking you, Lauren. Like, what are some of the uh, maybe one or two of the of the of the either the labor leaders or moments of labor history that you're most excited about? Uh, 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 either that you've learned about or um, that you are excited for to to share with people this month.
1: I'm looking forward to g- diving a little deeper into Frances Perkins, who was the first female Secretary of Labor, uh, Dolores Huerta, uh, Caesar Chavez, and uh, the United United Farm Workers strikes, the Delano grape strike
0: so look for all of that information on Progress Iowa's Twitter, Facebook and as Lauren said Instagram Uh, we also have exciting news about Labor Union Appreciation Month next week the Polk County Board of Supervisors is going to consider and we believe pass a resolution recognizing September as Labor Union Union Appreciation Month and the following week the Cedar Rapids City Council is going to do the same so look for that information online as well um, uh, when you follow Progress Iowa on all of our social media channels um
1: that calendar can all those events can also be found on the calendar on thankunion.com what a week is produced by progress iowa as part of the potluck media network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you for more information visit potluck.fm or find us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe see you next week on what a week